this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to the book of John chapter 8. Now, I will tell you my own preference right now. I believe one of the, the greatest faults of the Church of America is we've quit getting into the Word. Now, according to Ephesians six seventeen, it says the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We need the Word of God. And we need to be taught the Word of God. And once again, my thinking is you get into the Word, God will get into you. So we're going to start a new series today on freedom. And I believe it's so important that we hear this in the Church of America. And you say, why do you keep bringing that up? Well, that's where we live. That's what's relevant to us right here. So we've got to go ahead and teach on these things. And so just to start out a little bit here today, many times in our lives we, we come to a place where we wear a mask. And the mask is a mask that makes us pretend like everything's okay in my life. My smile appears like everything's okay. The way I'll act is everything's okay. But deep inside our heart, we have heartache. We have pain. And Jesus came to to set us free. He didn't come for us to have to live in bondage and those things. So it'll kind of give you a little bit of an idea of where we're heading today because I believe personally... We were meant to live for so much more. And so that's the goal here today. Come the next six weeks because I believe we need to allow the things of God to saturate us. John chapter 8, begin with me in in verse 36. And Jesus had been dealing with sin to a certain degree in this point, being a slave to sin. And he says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now this is good news. This isn't bad news that Jesus is telling me here that if if the Son makes you free, you're going to live a different way. And we can celebrate that. And and when I read that, who was Jesus addressing in this? Well, you've got to go back to where he first started in this little passage to verse 31. And look what Jesus said in John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, He was talking to believers. So do you believe that believers need to get set free? Yeah, I do. I really do believe that. For every one of us in this room, that when you got born again, doesn't mean you didn't have any hang-ups. If you were like me, you had a lot of hang-ups. You had a pretty good resume of hang-ups. And so Jesus wants to set even believers free. Now there's two things we've got to understand about this. Number one, I must come to Jesus. The only way I get set free is to come to Him. But number two is to admit to Him that i got issues in my life. Do you know in James 5 it says that if, if we'll admit to each other or confess our sins to one another, not only will He forgive us, He'll heal us. Something happens when we admit the things in our life that have kept us back. And in order to come to Jesus, in order to admit that you've got some issues, you're going to have to humble yourself and say, This is who I am. You know, there's people that I know that have have said before, well, I don't have any bondages or anything holding me back. i got some weaknesses. Well, it's not a weakness if you've been doing it 10 or 20 or 30 years. That's a bondage. you got some issues. Well, Pastor, you got issues? I've had issues. I've been full of the things of the devil before in my life, and so Jesus does set people free. But i got to get a hold of what he's telling me here. Now keep reading verses 31 and 32. After he spoke to the Jews who believed him, he said, 
If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, you know what that word abide means? It means to live in, to remain in, to continue to do it. And he doesn't quit, he keeps going, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now when he's talking about knowing the truth, he's not telling us to know a set of rules. He's saying to know the truth is to embrace the truth. It's to live by the truth. And you don't get set free just because you acknowledge you've got some issues in your life. You get set free when you acknowledge you've got issues in your life and you say, but you know what, Lord? I want to live in the light of the Word of God. I want to embrace the Word of God. And when I do that, and there's going to be some freedom that's going to take place in your life. Go with me to the book of Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. The issue I found out a lot of times in our life that people would rather live in denial than face the truth. Well, I don't have no problems. I don't have no issues. Well, in reality, every one of us got issues. You know, the Bible's very clear that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That may be a revelation to some of you. You've sinned. I've sinned. But, oh, Jesus came to take the sin and to help us out. Mark chapter 5, begin with me in verse 1. Then Jesus came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes, or Gadara. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, or a demon, a devil, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Now if you'll notice twice already that he lived in the tombs. He lived in the cemetery. And when I think about that, that's freaky. That's what that is. You don't see people living in the tombs very often. You guys are pretty quiet. I'll loosen you up a little bit here real quick. You know, when you talk about the cemetery, people are just dying to go there. That's my best. That's all I got. (laughs) Actually, we were leaving El Paso one time after being at the orphanage, and uh, Terry and Vicki Wood's daughter, Stacy, who's at Bible school right now, she was sitting up front with me, and we were passing a cemetery, and I looked over there, and I said to Stacy, I said, Stacy, how many people are dead out there? And she looked at me like, no. Do you know the answer? And so she said, no. How many? And I said, all of them. I'm just kidding, okay? You guys are pretty stiff today. You guys are messed up with what happened to Tech yesterday, so I'm going to lighten the load a little bit here for us. Keep reading, verse 4. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Human beings weren't strong enough to subdue him. This was how messed up he was. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And that's an expression of demonic activity is what that is. And so this is what happened. So when you read about this guy, you understand, this guy's got some problems, some big problems. But if you'll note here in verse number 6, he'll begin to get over and he'll help us with the cure. And so he says, when he saw Jesus from afar off, He ran and he worshipped him. 
He ran to Jesus. He came to Jesus. And that's what Jesus asked all of us in James 4.8. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And so this man ran to him. And if you'll note there, Jesus didn't look at him and said, hey, hey, buddy, go back and get your act together before you come to me. No, he didn't say that. And he won't say that to me and you because Jesus loves people. Jesus isn't against people. And so here's this guy who's all messed up. He comes to Jesus. Now, the next few verses, you're going to see Jesus, to, he begins to respond to some things here. He's not responding to the man. He's responding to the demons in the man. Keep that thought in mind. Verse 7. And he cried out with a loud voice and he said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now, this devil that was in this man, he knew who Jesus was. He knew exactly who he was. And he goes on to say, I implore you or I beg you by God that you do not torment me. Now, understand, this was the devil speaking to him because Jesus doesn't torment people. He saves people. He forgives people. He sets people free. But he doesn't torment them. Keep reading. Verse number 8. For he said to him, now listen real close to this. Come out of the man unclean spirit so who did jesus address here he addressed the spirit the unclean spirit of the devil that was inside of the man he didn't address the man jesus loves people keep reading verse 9 then he asked him what is your name and he answered saying my name is legion for we are many and legion was a roman army terminology and a legion was somewhere in between 3,000 and 6,000. Some believe it was 6,800 men. So understand this. When he said, we are legion, he got a bunch of devils in him. A bunch of them. Verse 10. Also he begged, also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them, look at that word, them, plural, out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding in there were near the mountains. And so all, A-L-L, all, the demons, plural S, demons, begged him, saying, Send us to the wine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Now right there shows me that Jesus has authority over them. Because Jesus had to give them permission. They knew they couldn't do anything at this point without Jesus' permission. Now he's going to send them to this herd of pigs. And the biggest thing I get out of this is Jesus was more concerned with people than property. He loves people. So it says here that he gave him permission, then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swamp. There were about 2,000, and their herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea, and they drowned into the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed. Now the phrase there, demon-possessed, Jesus will use it on three different accounts here, one verse right after the other. I believe Jesus wants us to really see that this man was demon-possessed. What does that mean? He was demonized. He was under the influence of a demon. And when human beings are under the influence of a demon... They do things that are not characteristics of what they should be doing. And that's all that means. He was under the influence of a devil. Keep reading. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed, who had the legion, sitting and clothed in his right mind. 
Now, this is the same guy who hung out in the cemeteries. He's the guy that had the chains that he couldn't be subdued at all. And now, if you'll get what it said there, he was in his right mind and he was clothed. Evidently, there were times he wasn't clothed. So he was in a bad predicament in his life, but now because of what Jesus did, Jesus set him free. Verse 16. You'll look at the blast of verse 15. I want to read that. And they were afraid. You'd think they would have been happy. Woohoo, he's set free. But they were afraid. And then those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from the region. Instead of asking Jesus, hey, won't you stay around here? There's a bunch more of us that got some issues with these demons. Instead, they were like, get out of here. We don't want to be a part of you. Verse 17, then they began to plead with him to depart from the region. And he got into the boat, and he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he may be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home and do your friends, and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, and how he has had compassion. So what Jesus was telling him, he said, Listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to your family, and your friends, and the people in your city, and tell them how Jesus delivered you, and tell them, Exactly what he did for me, he'll do for you. So the question is, when I read all that, are there still demons here? Is there still a devil here? I believe they are. I believe they're still here. And you may ask, who are the demons? Well, if you go back into the the Old Testament there, when Lucifer, Satan, rebelled, He was kicked out of heaven, and with him went a third of the angels. So those third of the angels are are fallen angels that are now demons here on the earth. How long will they be here? Until Jesus comes back till the second time. And so if they're going to be here, guess what? Me and you are going to have to deal with them. The good news is this. For every devil there is, there's two angels. Because two-thirds of them are still in heaven. And so they want to help you. Where are there references about demons in the Bible? Well, in the New Testament alone, there's only over 80 references. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's over 60 references. I believe the Lord was telling us, you're going to have to learn to take care of these yahoos. Can we do that? Yeah, now I'm going to run through a bunch of scripture here real quick. If you want to go with me, you can. I'm going to go real fast. If you want to write these down, you can. The first one is Matthew 8, verse 16. Listen to real close to these. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word. This is what Jesus did. Matthew 9, verses 32 and 33. And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. Jesus did it again. If you'll look at Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 18. And when they had come, the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said to his disciples, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, you see, Jesus dealt with them over and over and over, and a lot of times people will say, well, yeah, that's what Jesus did. But what about us? 
Well, look in Mark chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Then Jesus appointed the twelve that they might be with him and they might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. And some of you say, well, that's great. That was the original twelve. Yeah, but they had power. Then you go on and look in Mark chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Listen to this. So they went out and preached that the people should repent, and they cast out many demons. Mark chapter 16, and this will be the last one I read, and I want you to really see this. Mark 16, verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. So you know what Jesus has just done? He's transferred everything he did toward me and you. And when you read what the Bible talks about, Jesus is saying, listen, I've done everything I'm going to do. Now I give you power. I give you authority. Where that's found? That's Matthew 16, 19. Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And so right here, if you'll note, he said, and these signs will follow those who believe. He didn't say these signs will follow pastors. These signs will follow prophets. No, he said these signs will follow believers, me and you. You know what that means? You've been deputized. You are now Barney Fives in the kingdom of God. But Jesus gives you real bullets. The name, the name, the name, the name, the name, the name. See, this is the issue I believe in the church of America. Either one or two things happen in our lives right now. The church never talks about the devil. I challenge you right now, to go home today and throughout this week and watch TV, Christian TV, and you hardly ever hear anybody mention the devil in services anymore. Let's just ignore him. Let's just act like he's not here because if we act like he's not here, then we don't have to deal with him. But yeah, we got people within our own churches that are bound, that are devastated, they're controlled, or we, we swing to this side of the gate and this is just a small percentage, but we have people that see the devil in everything. Got to cast the devil out of your refrigerator. Cast the devil out of your, your washing machine. That, that washing machine full of the devil. I'm not telling us to go on a devil hunt, okay? Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm talking about here. I believe as the body of Christ, we need to have a balance, okay? Where I understand there is a devil that doesn't like me. But on the flip side, I don't have to see the devil in everything. Go with me way back in the New Testament to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to begin to see some things. Biblically that I think is going to help us. Now I encourage you, come. Do not miss the next few weeks. And part of this that will help you. Begin to ask yourself questions. Is there anything that really really has put me in bondage? And then, you know what? I've got to come to Jesus. I've got to say, you know what? This is who I am. I can tell you this, guys. In my life, when I got born again, I was in bondage. I was in bondage to anger. I was in bondage to... My mouth, I was in bondage to alcohol, I was in bondage to sexual immorality, and you say, man, you got quite a resume. I do. I do. I was bound up. I had issues with the devil in me. I mean, big time. My, my answer for everything as a 20-year-old was when life squeezed me, when life pressured me, I, I ran to the bottle. 
That's what I did. That's all I knew to do. And before long, by me doing that, it became a stronghold in my life where it began to dominate me. That's the goal of the devil. He wants to dominate you. 1 John 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. That's you and me. We're children of God. And then he goes on to say, Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Now, Jesus deals with two main things in this in the upcoming verses. I want to read verse 5. Look what he does here. And you know that Jesus was manifested to take away our sins. Why did Jesus come? Well, one of the reasons was mankind had a sin problem. So Jesus came to take away our sins. The other thing Jesus came for is found in verse 8. Look at it. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Now, I've got to stop right there. When John talks about he who sins is of the devil, John wasn't, he wasn't preaching perfectionism. He wasn't telling me and you, you've got to be perfect. That's not what he was saying there. What he was telling us is the issue with sin is when we continue to sin and sin and sin again, and then we try to justify our sin. It's okay. Everybody's doing it. That's the issue. In my life, did I have sin? Yeah, I had a bunch of sin. But, but John right here, and Jesus never, uh, he never expected us to be sinless. You know what Jesus does expect us to be? To sin less. Wow, that's a mystery. That's a revelation. You know, I'm not going to be sinless. None of us are ever going to be perfect. But I can live less and less in sin than I used to. Am I that way? Absolutely. I don't cuss like I used to. I don't use the Lord's name in vain like I used to. Because you know what? Jesus starts, he starts changing me. So Jesus came for my sin. And look what he says here in verse 8. And the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now that word destroy there is a military term or in a military campaign. And when he said right here to destroy it, he meant to be aggressive. He meant don't get in some lukewarm mode, some maintained mode. In other words, you're going to have to battle the devil. See, the devil doesn't take holidays off. He's always prancing about. How do I know that? 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your adversary, your opponent, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. How does he seek who he may devour? He looks for us in ways we open the door to him. How's that? Ephesians 4, 26 says, Don't give place to the devil. So anytime I give place to the devil, you know what he does? He's going to come in. He's going to come in. But right here he said that Jesus was manifested or came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Who do you think the works of the devil are aimed at? Mankind. Me and you. And so if the works of the devil were aimed at mankind and Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, who was Jesus doing that for? Us. Me and you. And so we might as well learn what Jesus has done for us and start living in it. Go with me to the book of John, Big John, chapter 10. Big John, chapter 10. And as you're turning there, 
Let me ask you a question. You think the devil still messes with people? Yeah, he does. I'll answer that for you. And if he's still messing with people, do you think the name of Jesus is still the name above every name? I do. I do. The problem is this, is we as believers, we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus. Just as the song we sang, I am who he says I am. Well, here's the question I ask. Do you know who you are? Do we know who we are in Christ Jesus? And we got to get there because, man, Jesus gives us a great benefit package. His blood, his name, his broken body. I mean, he'll take care of us if we'll listen to him and go ahead and live for him. John 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door or by a gate, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So he's saying here that if someone doesn't enter by the gate or have a key to the gate or the door, then he's here illegally. So who would Jesus be talking about here? Well, every one of us in this room, we were born of a mother. My mother's here. If you're here on this earth legally, you were born of a mother. So we go back. Was Jesus born of a mother? He was. That's why Jesus came here legally. So if you weren't born of a mother, then you would be here illegally. So who do you think was here illegally? The devil. The devil. The devil didn't have no mother. There was no mother that would birth him. It's too ugly. You know, you want to hate somebody, hate the devil. Love God, love people, hate the devil. So the devil was here legally. Now, when you read this verse, it says here that he's here legally, but he can still come here. But he's here legally, and if he comes here illegally, he's a thief and he's a robber. Look at John 10, verse 10. The thief, the one who's here illegally, the devil, now know what his purpose is. The thief, the devil, comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. Who do you think he wants to kill, steal, and destroy? The sheep. Me and you. Understand this about the devil today, that he's no Hollywood figure that walks around with a pitchfork and pokes you in your little bottom or your big bottom every now and then. That's not who he is. I'm going to tell you, the devil plays for keeps. And understand, he hates your guts. Let me give you a little analogy today to help you with this. Let's just suppose this morning, since it was so pretty out, and it was nice and cool, that you decided to open some of your windows up to let some fresh air in. And you came to church, and you went home, and after church, when you walked in, you knew immediately someone had been in your house or somebody was in your house. And you begin to realize they didn't come in through the front door. They came in through that window, so they're in your house illegally. Now, here's the question i got to ask you. Do they now own your home? No. They don't own your home. But they control your home, and they've now harassed you, and they're causing turmoil in your life, and they're causing havoc in your life. And how long are they going to keep doing that? Until you arrest them and get them out. Let me ask you today. Is there a thief in your house? Is there a thief who's stealing from you right now? 
Look at the end of John 10.10 10, because it will give you an idea about Jesus. And it says that I, the Lord Jesus, have come that you may have life and that you may have that more abundantly. That's what Jesus wants to do to you. He wants to give you life and that more abundantly. If you'll note in there that the thief comes not to kill, steal, and destroy, the goal of the devil is to destroy you. 1 John 3.8, it said specifically that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So you know what? The devil wants to destroy you, but the reason he can't destroy you is when you come under the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus, then you come under the power that Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. So in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus, you can say, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The devil may whisper in your ear all the things he wants to do to you. Have you ever heard the devil say to you or whisper to you, I'm going to kill you? I've heard him say that to me several times. There are times he said to me that I'm going to do da-da-da-da-da-da. And I would listen and I'd think, no, you're not. Not in the name of Jesus, you're not. No, you're not. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, First John 4, 4. Jesus said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Jesus said there in, in Revelations 12, 11, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus said in Romans 8, 37, he said that, that through Christ Jesus, you're more than a conqueror in all things. So you know what? I just begin to say, okay, this is who I am. This is what Jesus did for me. Now, I got one more verse I got to take you to. Luke chapter 10. Luke 10. And as you're turning there, God's nature is always to restore lost things and to repair broken things. How many in your life do you believe the devil's stolen stuff from you? He stole stuff from me. He broke things. But I'm going to tell you, God's a restore. And God's a repair. And God's a healer. And so, look here in Luke 10. I want to read this to you. Verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Woo! Even the demons, they have to obey us in your name. Am I a match for the devil? Mm -mm. But when I start using the name of Jesus, he's subject to me in that name. And what Jesus said, he said, I give you my name. So when I start using the name of Jesus, it's as if he's standing right there. And so these guys said, and Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. Verse 18, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And there's a couple references in there. That's not what I'm here today, so I'm going to jump to verse 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample, to trample, to tread upon, to crush serpents and scorpions. Now, he wasn't talking about when you're out in the desert that you'll be able to take off your shoes and walk on those little bugs. Serpents, that's not what he's talking about. When you look at the word serpent, that's actually referenced to Genesis 3.1, referencing the devil. The devil was more cunning than any creature of the field, the serpent. So he was referring to the devil, and when he mentioned serpents and scorpions, the scorpions were actually demonic entities. So he's saying, I give you authority 
to trample on serpents and scorpions. You know what he was telling me right there? Don't put up with it. Don't, don't ignore it, but don't put up with it. If he gave us the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, why would we need to trample on the serpents and scorpions if they weren't here anymore? They're still here. But not only did he give us authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, finish the rest of the verse and he said, and over all the power of the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy. Does the enemy have some power? He's got power, but he doesn't have as much power as the name of Jesus. And I believe that's a part of our issue. You know, in the book of Hosea, the whole, uh, prophet Hosea said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Ignorance is knowledge. It's one of the worst forms of knowledge. But I believe that's what's happened to us. We don't talk about these things in church, and we try to act like, you know what, if we don't talk about it, it'll just go away. It's not going to go away. But we have authority in the name of Jesus. There was a guy when we were at Bible school, and, and we called him Sporty. It wasn't his real name. We called him Sporty because Sporty was the worst athlete in the world who thought he was good. Sporty couldn't catch a cold, let alone a ball. I mean, Sporty was, we called him Sporty because he was a Heisman Trophy winner in his own eyes. And, and one day, Sporty was in a part of Tulsa that you didn't go to at night. Everybody knew that area was off limits. But Sporty was down there talking to people about Jesus, and he's getting people saved right and left. About that time, this elderly man came out on this balcony and saw him speaking, and he started cursing Sporty, and he started cursing God, and he cursed the name of Jesus, and he was telling everybody, don't listen to him. Ugly, ugly. Well, you know what most people, most Christians would do? We better go down the block and find other people to witness to but not Sporty. Before we knew it, Sporty was making a beeline. He went up the stairs. He started banging on the door. And the guy didn't want to open up. And Sporty was saying, open up, open up, open up. And he went in there. And all of a sudden, the love of God, but the authority of God came on him. And Sporty said, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out of that man. And Sporty started speaking the name, and he spoke the name, and he spoke. He started speaking the blood over the man. And all of a sudden, this elderly man broke. And begin to witness. And he began to renounce Jesus into his life. This man, 30 plus years before, had been in the ministry. And things had gotten tough in his life. And instead of running to Jesus, he started running to alcohol. And it began to dominate him so much that the devil began to control him. Name it Jesus. Let me ask you this today while we're right here. Is there works of the devil that are in your life where you have bondage? You know you've got bondage. Is there errors in your life where he's, he's devastated you? He's defeated you. He's controlled you. He's enslaved you to say, I got you. I got you. See, just as Jesus you saw over and over, it didn't matter if it was the madman of Gadara, it didn't matter if it was the mute, whatever, Jesus wasn't afraid of confronting it. And Jesus said, listen, boys, I give you the authority to do it. In other words, quit putting up with it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.